The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 248 of the podcast. Unless you're joining us live on Facebook or YouTube. If you want to catch a show live, don't forget, subscribe. MMA on the Rocks on YouTube or Facebook. And hit the notifications button so you can make sure you can catch it whenever we go live. Like right now. There's no MMA going on this weekend, but we still have stuff to talk about. We have UFC 264 coming up next week. We have some MMA news, which we never really cover on this show, so why not do it? Um, and I can talk to you guys about how it's July, first episode in July, so I'm officially back off the wagon. So cheers to all of you. Before we get into any of that let me introduce all the way from sweltering new jersey jeff the animal wilson jeff how are you feeling on this saturday evening <laughs> i was gonna say afternoon but i guess it's evening i'm all disoriented today how are you doing jeff bill it's pre-evening it's pre-evening oh okay pre I like that. But, um, yeah, I got it from some TV show. I think I was watching it in passing. I don't know. But, uh, <clears throat> Bill, it feels weird to not have a fight card today. I, yeah. I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, it it is kind of a weird feeling. Like, it, and, and then it's a long weekend, too. So, um, yeah. I was just trying to do some math right now, but I was trying to figure out uh, it's not important. Yeah, um, Bill, I mean, I, I'm, I'm off for the summer, so to me, it's a two month long weekend. So, <laughs> well, Jeff, um, speaking of the long weekend, tomorrow is the 245th birthday of these great United States of America. So happy birthday. USA from us here at MMA on the rocks. I'm sure everyone uh, is appreciative of the long weekend. You know, the weather's getting warm. People are going to be going to the beach and celebrating and fireworks and all that stuff. A lot of places are back open, you know, hundred uh, percent New York, New Jersey. You guys are still in the pretty, uh, pretty locked down States up there. Huh, Jeff? Yeah. Um, you know, things are opening up slowly. But uh, actually, Bill, I was at Dave and Buster's on Monday, and nobody had their masks on, so it was nice. Uh, but I know not every place is being so accommodating, especially indoors. Um, but yeah, dude, uh, you know, it's it's a snail's pace opening up, but I'm okay with it. Um, but dude, uh, yeah, happy birthday to the United States. I think greatest country on earth. Don't get me wrong, it's not perfect. It's not perfect, you know. We got our issues, but uh, I don't think in, I don't think a country needs to be perfect to be great. So, yeah, 
1776, we told England to shove it up their ass. And we're going to do it on our own. Yeah, yeah. And, Bill, uh, since then, we've become a world superpower. So we didn't even need their help. Yeah, yeah, it would seem so. Um, I mean, we, we did need the help of the French to gain our independence, but we don't like to talk about that. Once yeah, but we, we, yeah we, we paid it back because they don't speak German in france so <laughs> i think uh i think we're even <laughs> this is turning into an episode of drunken history speaking of which i see our buddy mark fellows on the other side of the globe pouring himself a tea because he's doing a dry july so uh, one of our one of our booziest podcast listeners uh is going to be listening sober for the next month i hope it doesn't devalue the show for you mark um on the other end of the spectrum, Jeff, not only am I drinking again, but right before we recorded, if you guys were listening last week, you'll know that I spilled water on my laptop while I was trying to watch the fights and vacuum the leaves in my backyard. And I knocked over a cup of water with the cord to the leaf vacuum all over my laptop. So I went and bought a new laptop, Jeff. I picked it up on Tuesday. And right as we're starting to record this episode i'm looking at this can of beer like trying to read the label to to give you guys some information about it and i spilled a beer on my new laptop three days off the wagon jeff i need to be cut off already um but in any case uh shout out to my good friends the temples matt and stacy who you know jeff um they they did a road trip back home to Ohio, and on the way back, they stopped in my favorite beer city, Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, picked up some some goodies that they brought back to me. And I put them right in my beer fridge because this was um, this was like two or three weeks ago that he brought this beer over for me, Jeff, and I was right in the middle of my no-booze June. So I'm like, all right, I got to put this beer in the... Uh, in the beer fridge and, and pretend it doesn't exist. Cause he picked up stuff from some of my favorite breweries that you can't find around here. Uh, like Oscar blues. Uh, another one was uh, Brevard brewing company. And this one burial, probably my favorite brewery. Like if I had to, you know, gun to my head, I have to pick a favorite brewery. I would say it's burial. And I've never had this beer before until just now. <laughs> <laughs> and my laptop had to, got to taste some of it too. Um, but this is called Death Proof. And I guess they did like some collaborations that are like spins on uh, popular ice cream truck flavors. So this one is called Death Proof. It's a creamsicle. You could see those of you watching on YouTube. It's, it's like a creamsicle flavor. Um, and they always have like really cool artwork on their cans it's always like really dark really morbid but like very detailed artwork on the cans and you know i'm not really an art aficionado or anything but it's a nice beer can to look at while you're drinking a beer um so this beer is made with oats lactose orange zest and fresh vanilla bean and it tastes like it tastes like a creamsicle beer oh bill that's awesome uh, that sounds like it's right up my alley. You know, I like the uh, the cookies and cream by uh, by New Belgium, which I've only ever had once. But Bill, mm -hmm. the taste of that is just ingrained 
into the fibers of my brain. That's how good it was. Here's the um, one I want to try, Jeff. The Iron Maiden, which is like a chip witch beer. Oh, yeah, that looks awesome. That sounds really good. And um, these beers, these types of beers, like these IPAs with like uh, fruit and the lactose, for those who don't know, is basically like the sugar from milk. And they put it in the, in beer to kind of like balance out the bitterness from the hops. So if you don't like really hoppy beer and you're not lactose intolerant, you know, look for IPAs that have lactose in it because it, that's, that's how you get like the hazy IPAs. They call them that milk sugar, you know, makes the beer a little bit cloudy. Um, but they're typically less bitter and, um, it, it goes really well. You know, they're trying to get that cream flavor. And uh, Mark is saying that the beer must taste really good after a dry month. It it definitely does. Um, things that I noticed, Jeff, I, I dropped a few pounds not drinking for a month. Um, my my skin kind of like brightened up. Like I don't know how to explain it. I don't. I'm not a dermatologist, but like, you know, like less bags under my eyes, I guess, because maybe I'm sleeping better. I don't know. But I'll trade it all in, Jeff. I'll take the few extra pounds. Uh, I'll take the, the catcher's mitt looking skin, uh, <laughs> just to enjoy a few adult beverages here and there. I think it did teach me like, I, I, I don't like binge drink, Jeff, you, you know me, I like to have a few drinks to relax. I don't, I'm not like getting hammered and, you know, puking all over my living room ever. Um, I, I just like having a few drinks, like watching the fights and obviously when we do the podcast, but I think the last month kind of was a lesson that, you know, I can kind of taper it off a little bit. You know, maybe I was going a little bit too hard, but um, I can't say that won't be the case next week when I'm on vacation. I think I'm going to have to be hitting it pretty hard, you know, going away with the in-laws, the sister-in-law and her kids. Um, it's going to be a lot of stress. So I, I need to do what any reasonable adult would do and cope with alcohol, Jeff. Yeah, Bill. I mean, you guys got a kid at this point. Divorce isn't an option. So, <laughs> but I, I kid, I, I kid, I kid. But your in-laws aren't terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Bill. I hope Claudia's not listening. She's she's gonna whoop my ass for all. I this. hope her dad's not listening because he does on occasion. Well, that that works because I've had some very good conversations with Claudia's yeah. dad. Yeah, um, until you called him terrible. I didn't say he was terrible. I said <laughs> everybody else was terrible. But uh, but Bill, I was actually surprised because um, at Dave and Lisa's wedding, uh, Claudia's dad remembered me, uh, which to me was was awesome because I've only spoken to him to one time. Mm -hmm. uh, we we conversed about uh, different languages and stuff. Yeah. And the the uh, the syntax being different and stuff. So, um, yeah, Claudia's dad, very very smart guy. Uh, yeah, extremely intelligent, really awesome dude. Um, and and he does follow like some of the podcast stuff. Like he follow he looks at the Facebook stories and he he responds to pretty much all of them. Uh, but yeah, so that's probably why he recognizes you because I post stuff you know on the social media and and he sees all of that. Well, don't um, post this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nah, he's got a good sense of humor. Um, hey, he's he's going to be throwing them back with me next week. 
So it'll be a good time. So I don't know if I talked about the trip that we're doing. So we're flying to the West Coast into California. We're going to see uh, Yosemite National Park, which I've never gotten to see. So that's going to be really cool. Uh, and then we're going to go through Zion and and see the sites there. And then we're heading into Vegas. And there's a few people I definitely want to meet up with out there in Vegas. Um, the people that I probably should have notified earlier, like Serena De Jesus and Dan Tom. So if you guys are listening, uh, let's meet up for a drink next week. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, we're going to drive down to the Grand Canyon, which I have been to before, but uh, the last time we were there was when my wife was pregnant. So we've never been there with the little one. So it'll be cool. The Grand Canyon is like a pretty awesome site. You know, when, when we were going to go the first time, I was like, all right, it's a big fucking hole. Who cares? Um, but then you see it and it, it really is breathtaking, Jeff. Uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, spent any time over there in the West Coast. No, but Bill, it is it is definitely on my list. I want to see Yosemite Sam. I want to see the Grand Canyon. Uh, so definitely, definitely on my list, Bill. Uh, but right now, I got to coach a JV girls soccer team, and um, I think only half the team has ever actually played soccer before. So it's it's going to be a lot of work, Bill. But I'm excited that you're going to get to see it for me. I got to live vicariously through you for this, uh, except for the part where you got to deal with your in-laws. That part I don't want to deal with. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm better you than me for that part. No, I just get to I just get to drink with them. And and pardon me for being a little bit distracted because uh, shout out to my teammate, Jake Spray, who is an MMA fighter, but he's making his Muay Thai debut this afternoon over in Orlando for uh, Lelio Code. Uh, so I have this stream going right now uh, he's actually fighting in the cage as we speak it's muay thai in a cage which is kind of cool i think jeff i think it makes it much more exciting uh than regular muay thai and and he's looking really good from what i can see right now his clinch is looking awesome so i you know i'm expecting of course from my teammate to uh to take the w here but i will keep you guys posted as the episode goes on Jeff, what do you think about Muay Thai in a cage? Well, I think it sounds much more interesting than seeing Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor for the third time in a cage. So I'm all for it. <laughs> I agree with you there. We were talking about this last week. It's It was hard. And I think Conor McGregor was listening to the episode because he finally like crawled out of whatever hole he was living in and started talking some trash to Dustin Poirier. Like, uh, I, I think he said... Whoever goes for a takedown first is a dusty bitch. Yeah, but Dustin Poirier responded by saying, we put you on sleep mode in front of the world. Which <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. Oh, dude, it was it was in an interview with uh, Brett Okamoto. Uh, dude, uh, yeah, I think um, that's been my favorite quote since, like, the three-piece in a soda. I think it's up there in that, uh, in that league. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't see that. I I saw the response I saw was whoever gets taken down first is a dusty bitch. But yeah, the sleep mode is much better. And um, Ryan, if you're wondering how I'm streaming the fight, I answered you in the comments. So, Jeff, before we get into um, 
before we get into the the pay-per-view next week which i'm actually gonna be in vegas the day after this pay-per-view so this pay-per-view is on saturday the 10th i'm gonna be getting into town on the 11th um so i just missed it just missed the opportunity to not go see this because i wouldn't pay money for this <laughs> i wouldn't pay money for tickets or i probably won't pay to watch it on pay-per-view to be honest bill uh i don't blame you i mean if you just want to take the week off next week from talking about ufc and we could talk about bellator or something i'm, <laughs> I'm all for it <laughs> yeah there's no bellator either i don't think there's a bellator card until july 16th um so we could preview that one but i don't think it's a very good one um but anyway, we're, we're, we're so spoiled, Jeff, because it's like, oh, one week without MMA. What are we going to talk about? Um, <clears throat> so we'll, we'll get into that card, though. But there's there's a couple of other things I want to talk about, Jeff. So MMA news, which, you know, we, we never really get it uh, into that on here. So I want to talk about Sarah Alpar, who you may know probably more so from the news lately, uh, than you do from her fight career. So Sarah was on Dana White's contender series in 2019. She since had one fight in the UFC. She's 0 and one. And it was last year. Uh, and she posted a thing about how she's having a GoFundMe account to raise money for her training camp because, you know, she doesn't get paid enough money. Now, one fight in the UFC, obviously her, her paychecks are probably the minimum. And, you know, she only fought once in the UFC and that was, uh, uh in, uh, in 2020. So she's, she's fight. She's got a fight coming up soon. And this made more news, Jeff, because Jake Paul donated $5,000 to her GoFundMe. And then Triller, which is the promotion that promoted Jake Paul's last fight with Ben Askren, donated $25,000 to Sarah Alpar's GoFundMe. And the message behind it was the UFC doesn't pay their fighters enough, so we're going to put this money into her GoFundMe. And she met her goal and exceeded her goal. I think it was $30,000. She exceeded it just with Jake Paul and Triller. Um. Here's my issue with all of this. I understand that as a new UFC fighter, she's not making a ton of money, especially as at 0-1. But you're 0-1 in the UFC. Also, she hasn't fought since, I believe it was December of 2020. Uh, the UFC, as part of your contract, they're obligated to offer you three fights in a year. So... I would imagine it's July, 2021. I would imagine she's been offered a few fights and for whatever reason, hasn't taken them. I understand there's a pandemic going on. Uh, it's hard to get training it, you know, a whole bunch of things, you know, person, you know, put plus add on personal issues. Everybody has that. She probably could have taken a fight before, uh, any of this happened to, to put a little money in her pocket. Uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to come down hard on her, but the real issue I have, Jeff, is with Triller and Jake Paul kind of injecting themselves into this and taking it as an opportunity to shit on the UFC because I, I don't appreciate that. Um, 
as a fan of the UFC and as someone who understands how businesses work, um, I, I just don't like the fact that they're, they're putting money towards this just to make a point when they could be using that money for other things. For example, if you look at the pay breakdown of the last Triller event, Jason Minda and William Jackson both fought on the last Triller event and they each made $8,000. I don't know if they won or lost Jeff, but they made $8,000 and that's all they made, which is lower than the UFC's minimum of $12,000 to show and $12,000 to win. So why is Triller putting $25,000 into Sarah Alpar's bank account when they could just be paying that money to their own fighters? It seems very hypocritical to me that they're complaining about the way UFC fighters are paid and they're putting money in a UFC fighters GoFundMe to raise money for her training camp when they are paying their fighters less than the UFC is paying them. But nobody is going to look into this, Jeff. They're going to look at it as, wow, the UFC is a horrible organization. How could they be treating their employees so poorly that they have to set up a GoFundMe? First of all, they're not employees. They're contractors. And they get paid when they are contracted to work. That's how contractors work. <laughs> if you don't work, you don't get paid because you're not contracted to be paid so uh, aside from that you have also quentin randall was paid fifteen thousand dollars by triller and then of course you know jake paul his disclosed pay six hundred ninety thousand dollars ben Askren's disclosed pay five hundred thousand dollars that's not including whatever backdoor money he was given to take a dive you know if that were the case so my issue isn't with Sarah Alpar and asking for money uh, to support her training camp because that's totally understandable. And, you know, I, I'm not necessarily saying that that fighters shouldn't be paid more. But, you know, if Triller and Jake Paul are putting this money towards this fighter, first of all, they don't they don't know Sarah Alpar. They don't give a shit about her. They're just looking for an opportunity to get press for themselves and try to bury the UFC at the same time. Um, so that's the issue I have with this. And you have to remember that a lot of the people on Triller, they're not fighters. They're not fighters like Sarah Alpar is even a fighter. You know, these are entertainers who are getting paid a lot of money to fight because they have a built-in audience that follows them wherever they go. Um, so have you have you heard about any of this, Jeff? Uh, are you up to date on any of it? Or did I just kind of drop a whole shitload of information on your head? Yeah, Bill, this is all news to me. And uh, Bill, it just uh, it just I detect some sour grapes, man. Um, you know, like you said, you know, as a contractor, if you're not working, you're not getting paid. That's how most jobs work in real life. You know, um, these YouTubers and, and Bill, you know, we could get into a whole thing with YouTubers and how the obscene amounts of money that some of them make. But that, that's a that's a conversation for another time. But the point is, um, you know, it, it just seems like an attention thing to me. 
um, from these YouTubers and uh, whoever you mentioned. I, I can't even remember. Uh, Triller or whatever. Um, but yeah, dude. Um, like, you know, if you have an issue with the UFC, you don't have to watch what they put out. Um, and uh, as for uh, the fighter, you know, if the UFC is not paying you enough, you know, you can. There's plenty of jobs out there that nobody's working in right now because everybody's getting paid an extra 300 bucks to not work. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there there's options. Um, you know, I, I, and just the first person who comes to mind is Stipe Miocic. Stipe Miocic, as the heavyweight champion of the Uf of the world in the UFC, works as a fireman. Um, you know. Uh, whatever shifts it is, two 24-hour shifts a week. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there's nothing stopping this fighter from, from doing something to um, help her get through those periods where she's not fighting. Yeah, absolutely. And this is still a very young sport. You have to remember in 1993, nobody was getting paid to do this sport. And it slowly progressed. You know, the Fertitta brothers and Dana White took it over. And at that time... Back in, you know, let's say two, 2005 ballpark, the minimum was $2,000 to show, $2,000 to win. As compared to now, where the minimum is $12,000 to show, $12,000 to win. And Chell Sonnen made this point on his podcast, like, show me another company that has increased their employee pay by that percentage in 15 years or whatever it is, 16 years. And you won't find it. It's just not possible. Now, if you asked me the question, do I think that UFC fighters should be paid better? The answer is yes. Obviously, the answer is yes. But if you asked me, do police officers deserve to get paid better? Absolutely. Do teachers deserve to get paid better? Yes. Do firefighters deserve to get paid better? Yes. EMTs, I could go on and on, construction workers, you know, and all of these jobs are much more important than people who are fighting on television. But me saying that they deserve it isn't going to make it happen. Yes, they deserve it. They work hard. They sacrifice a lot. You know, I see it all the time. I see guys in the gym all the time. I talk to fighters all the time. I know the kind of sacrifices they're making. I know the financial struggles that they have, but that's the choice that they made. You know, there are teachers out there who are struggling to get by too. Um, you know, th there's nobody, you know, there, there's nobody crying over that. There's nobody putting money into their GoFundMe to prove a point. Um, so th that's my issue with all of this. Um, I, and I know I'm in the minority here, Jeff. I know that most of the MMA com community and the argument is always, well, the UFC is worth X amount. Why are the fighters only getting this amount? And the answer that I always give, which seems to go over everybody's head is the UFC is worth this much because they're constantly investing in the future. They're putting money towards expanding globally. You know, they're opening they're opening up performance institutes in China to try and promote, uh, you know, Chinese fighters and get them proper training so that they can make it to the UFC. 
And yes, for now, make that $12,000 minimum unless they become a superstar and work their way up the ladder. That's the way it works. Um, that's the business model. So to say like UFC is worth X amount, the fighters should be getting X amount. It doesn't work like that because it's not like the NFL where it's like old money, where it's been worth billions of dollars for 65 years or something. This is a sport that just started in 1993. Um, and the fact that it has progressed this much and they're even able to pay some of the top tier fighters, you know, six and seven figures is pretty phenomenal, you know, from a business perspective, you know, something that started from nothing, you know, wasn't even legal. It was only legal in like three States when it started. Now it's legal everywhere. Uh, they're getting it legalized across the globe. Uh, you know, they're, they're pushing the brand worldwide. Um, giving more and more people the opportunity they have you know well over 600 fighters on the roster now <clears throat> you know and all these fighters have the opportunities to go out and get sponsors as well uh which you know the ones who hustle do um and and they can make a good living you know i know fighters who you know they do this full time uh and then they give private lessons and they have sponsors and that's how they make their living i know other fighters who train full time and have a full time job because that's what they choose to do. Um, it's a rough situation. But um, speaking of fighters, my buddy Jake Spray, victorious at Lelio Code in Orlando. So shout out to that guy. I've seen him in the gym, obviously uh, working really hard, and uh, it paid off. So his first Muay Thai fight, he's got a few MMA fights under his belt. Uh, so it's it's awesome to see him getting in there and competing, changing it up a little bit. Um, huge respect to that guy for getting outside of his comfort zone, especially because Jake is primarily a wrestler, uh, you know, and he got in there and fought Muay Thai for the first time and won. Um, and I've seen his Muay Thai progress so much at our gym, MJM Muay Thai, uh, right here in the Tampa Bay area. Great place to train if you're ever in the area, Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, dude. I haven't trained Muay Thai in a long time, and when I did, it was only like ten classes. So, I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to check that place out when I uh, when I can get down there. But. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's my rant on that, and I would like to say we can move on, but I gotta get into something else, Jeff, and it has to do with the UFC heavyweights. So a little bit of background here, and I don't know if you're up to date on this either. So the UFC didn't really want to do Francis Ngannou and John Jones. And then the more it kind of got pushed, John Jones was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to kind of sit back. I'm going to take another year and put on some more weight. Fine. That happens. But then Francis Ngannou was like, wait, but I only want to fight John Jones because the UFC was trying to do Derek Lewis versus Francis. There was some negotiation back and forth. And uh, Francis said no to uh, to fighting Derek Lewis at UFC 265. But then he came around and he said he would be ready in September. Well, the UFC wanted Derek Lewis to fight. I believe this is the thinking. They wanted Derek Lewis to fight for a title in his hometown in Houston. 
which is where UFC 265 is going to be. So they make an interim title between Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon because Ngannou wouldn't be ready in time for UFC 265. And uh, they wanted to give Derek Lewis this opportunity uh, before September and, and to do it in his hometown. So interim title between Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon. Ngannou gets furious when he hears this, claims he didn't know it was happening. His manager says he didn't know it was happening. Dana White calls the manager a liar, says he knew all along. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. What I don't understand, Jeff, is why they don't understand that this is a best-case scenario for everybody except John Jones. Because there has been a lot of buzz about this interim title. People are angry. But these same people are going to watch Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gaon for this interim title, Jeff. You know, people aren't going to boycott this pay-per-view. You know, if you say the UFC heavyweight championship is being contested tonight, oh, who's fighting? Oh, Derek Lewis, the my balls is hot guy. And and this undefeated French monster who's 9-0, and 10-0, whatever he is, people are going to tune in for that. Then one of them is going to walk away with a belt. They're not taking Francis's belt away. And this is only going to build the anticipation for Francis's next fight, which could still take place in September. So I don't understand what he's upset about. I don't understand what the fans are upset about because they're getting another heavyweight championship fight before Nganu is able to fight again, which is in September. Like, I just don't understand all the hostility, Jeff, like what am I missing? Is it some, is there something that I'm missing? Because to me, it seems the best case scenario for everybody, except John Jones, who's going to have to wait for this interim title fight to take place. And then for the winner to fight Francis Ngannou. And if that is a close fight, that's going to have to be rematched. John Jones might be looking at next July before he can fight. <laughs> so what am I missing, Jeff? Bill, I think John Jones needs to just stop beating around the bush, man. Um, and Bill, I'll be honest with you, I'm get, I'm starting to get tired of his antics. All right, um, I still remember a few years ago the UFC literally moved heaven and earth to get this guy on a card because he didn't pass a drug test in uh, I think it was California or Arizona. Uh, I'm probably mixing up my states, but Bill, I mean, how how? Many more times is John Jones going to bend the UFC over a barrel, uh, and and the UFC is going to give him whatever he demands. I mean, mm -hmm. listen, Bill. At some point, you got to move on, man. Um, you know, Ngannou's a money maker for the UFC, uh, just based on his highlight reel. Everybody likes Derek Lewis. It's hard not to. Um, you know, during uh, during the last uh, big hurricane that hit. Um, the the uh, uh, the South in Texas. He was helping people out, you know, um, with with his truck and stuff. I mean, the guy is a marketing whiz. All right, he's just likable. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't see I don't see anybody losing here except John Jones, which I'm not very upset about because you know if it wasn't this, it, it'd be something else with John Jones. Yeah. I mean, John Jones has a hard time getting out of his own way, it seems like. I don't know if he's just getting bad advice or if he's just, you know, makes bad decisions like in his personal life and with his career. 
while simultaneously being probably the most talented fighter we've ever seen in the history of the sport. Um, so it, it's an unfortunate circumstance for him, but I don't understand why people are upset for Francis because this benefits Francis because if Francis were just going to fight Derek Lewis in September, all people would talk about is like, Oh, well the last fight was so boring. They just kind of circled around each other. Now you're going to get to see Derek Lewis fight at UFC 265 for an interim belt. You possibly get to see a belt put around his waist in his hometown. So if you're mad about this, are you saying that Derek Lewis doesn't deserve this opportunity? You know, I could see maybe saying like Cyril Ghosn doesn't deserve it uh, because he hasn't had that many fights in MMA. You know, forget about just in the UFC because he's only 9-0, 10-0, whichever he is. But, you know, it's not his fault that he was the only one available to sign on the dotted line. I mean, the guy just fought Volkov five hard rounds, and now he's willing to get back in there a month later against Derek Lewis. Um, so neither one of them are at fault. So people get angry at the UFC. Why is the UFC doing this to Francis? Um, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is that the UFC will actually play the bad guy to build up a fighter. And I don't think Francis even realizes this either because Francis is like, why are they fighting for this title? Like I, I just won my championship three months ago. Why are they doing this to me? And the UFC is like, fuck you. Your manager's a liar. So then people come out of the woodwork with their pitchforks, uh, you know, to scream and yell about the UFC and they look like the bad guy. They're still going to watch Derek Lewis versus Cyril Ghosn. And then they're all rallying around Nganu so much that they're going to be rooting for him. They're definitely going to watch Nganu versus the winner of Derek Lewis, Cyril Ghosn, because they want to see him succeed. So this just makes it that much better of a scenario for Nganu. And I really don't see how people can see it any other way. Like I said, Jeff, I must be missing something or maybe I'm just not angry enough of a person and I'm just seeing the bright side of all of this. Well, I think it's probably the latter of those two. I mean, Bill, you know, when you're right, even if everybody else tells you you're wrong, you're still right. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you know, my wife takes that mentality. Why can't I? <laughs> She doesn't let a little thing like the truth or facts ruin her argument. Bill, <laughs> Bill, we gotta we gotta come back here. I've already insulted your in-laws. Now you're going after the wife. Bill, I'm not gonna be allowed back in the state of Florida if this continues. But Jeff, you know, you're fine because I'm the one that's gonna get all the heat for it. So you're you're protected in like you know, the actual heat that you're dealing with up there in New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, actually, Bill, it's been raining the last few days. So uh, today's cooled off a little bit. It's been nice. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been getting a lot of rain here. We're we're experiencing, I guess, like the aftershock of Tropical Storm Elsa, which is just so ironic for me because I listen to the Frozen soundtrack at least a dozen times a day. Um, you know, whether it's the actual songs or my daughter singing them acapella, um, <laughs> which is so cute. 
the first 300 times. <laughs> um, in any case, uh, did you did you find any other uh, MMA news uh, stories that were worthy to talk about here, Jeff? Because we've somehow burned through 40 minutes uh, and we still have UFC 264 to talk about. But uh, is, is there something that you wanted to bring up? Bill, that that was my big thing. Was the uh, was the uh, we we put you on sleep on airplane mode in front of the world. That that was it. Um, other right. than that, uh, Tyron Woodley's training with Floyd Mayweather ahead of uh, his Jake Paul match. But Bill, that's not news to me. Um, yeah, me. I couldn't tell you when that is. Or I'm kind of over these like celebrity boxing things. Like I don't get me wrong. I hope T Wood gets a big fat paycheck for this, you know, and he's able to, you know, I hope he's able to accumulate like generational wealth from this. <laughs> like I hope his grandkids, his grandkids are taken care of financially. Um, but I don't care to watch the fight. I just don't. I'm not, I'm, I'm over the whole thing. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a circus and like, I, I don't need that in my life. Um, let's try and get excited for this UFC 264 card here, Jeff, because I know you and I both fall flat when it comes to hype for this main event, but you know, I want to try and keep things positive. So I, a lot of people, have been actually talking about this fight and you know it's a popular fight because it's conor mcgregor and he's he's always a talking point whether it's the people who are like oh conor mcgregor sucks like why does everybody love him so much he's only won one fight in the last four years and on the other side are the people defending conor and they're like well you know poirier isn't gonna land those leg kicks and this so let's actually take a look at what happened uh, between these two in the past, Jeff. So they met early on in their career. Conor McGregor knocked out Dustin Poirier because he was able to get in his head and make him fight emotionally. We've talked about this at length on the podcast, how Dustin Poirier early in his career would get very emotional. You know, that's how he got knocked out by Michael Johnson. That's how he got knocked out by Conor McGregor. He would get so frustrated and 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 so upset that he wouldn't fight well he corrected that and you know over his past 10 fights or so he, he's looked absolutely phenomenal uh, i mean the guy doesn't have a personality that's marketable outside of the hardcore mma fans who have seen all of his performances and who have been following his career you know nobody is going to hear dustin poirier talk and and think like, wow, I can't wait to see that guy's next fight. He just doesn't have that personality, but that's fine because he does his talking in the cage. Um, he's had some awesome performances, like two against Eddie Alvarez. Obviously, the last fight with Connor, you know, defeating Max Holloway for the interim title. Um, you know, he had the fight with Khabib, which was his only loss in his last however many fights. Uh, but, you know, he had some moments in that fight. He had that tight guillotine where Habib even said, like, man, I had to adjust a couple of times in there, and it was so tight, and he gave Poirier all the credit in the world for that. It, you know, Dustin Poirier is a stud of a fighter. Um, 
He beat Conor McGregor with the leg kicks and then subsequently knocked him out in their last fight. They decided to rebook this immediately to do the rubber match. I think I would have been more interested, Jeff, if both of them had gone off and like won a few fights in a row. You know, maybe Poirier beats uh, Oliveira for the title. You know, maybe McGregor beats Michael Chandler or something. Then you can build this back up. But now it's like, all right, well, you guys are doing this for yourselves. Like You want to fight each other again because you know it's a big payday. Dustin Poirier even turned down the title shot in favor of this fight. That's what kind of turned me off of it. So let, let's get back to the X's and O's here. Conor McGregor in the last fight came out and said, like, look, I was planning to call out Manny Pacquiao. I was boxing for my entire camp. Well, I can tell you from experience, Jeff, that boxers do not take leg kicks well because whenever I spar with a boxer in something other than boxing and I kick their legs, they always have a lot of weight on their lead leg. That's because they're constantly leaning forward to work their jab and putting more weight on their leg. The more weight that's on your leg, the more the leg kick is going to hurt. So if Conor McGregor is boxing in his last training camp, he's putting more weight on his lead leg, which explains why his leg got chewed up by Dustin Poirier in the last fight. And then he kind of mentally checked out and got knocked out. Great performance by Poirier. You know, it was kind of similar to McGregor's fight with Khabib. You know, he got away from what got him to the dance where Connor was grappling a lot in the training camp. His body type even changed. He had a thicker frame for the Khabib fight. So instead of training the striking, which is what got him to the championship, he was trying to train for Khabib's game and grapple. Uh, I think that will be the X factor in this rubber match here, Jeff. I think we're going to see a Conor McGregor that goes back to the style that brought him success in the beginning. I think he's going to be aggressive in the lead in the buildup to the fight and try to get in Poirier's head. If he sees him in the hotel, if he sees him at the press conference, you know, he's going to be talking shit to him and trying to get him riled up. Now I can say that, will it make a difference? I don't know. You know, a lot of people seem to think it's a given that Dustin Poirier is going to win this fight because of how the last fight went. But I don't know. To me, it's a coin toss, Jeff. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, Bill, for me, it's kind of up in the air, man. Um, yeah, Conor McGregor can go back to what brought him to the dance. That's awesome um, because, you know, it, it was a meteoric rise. But, you know, we can't discount Dustin Poirier either. Uh, I think he's evolved very much as a fighter. Um, and I feel like he has very underrated grappling that nobody talks about for some reason, maybe because of how good he, his boxing is, mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, dude, I think, um, Bill, uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit more excited for this fight, you know, now that we've taken a look at it, but Bill, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I, I don't feel like either of them deserves a title shot. After, uh, if if one of them wins, maybe Dustin Poirier, but Conor McGregor, I I wouldn't want him to get a title shot, um, be, because like you said, one win in his last four years, um, he has back to back losses. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm lying because uh, he beat Donald Cerrone at some point. Um, but uh, but yeah, dude, it's 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 hard for me to to get off the couch for this one man yeah it is tough and it, especially 
So you you're hearing all of the um the MMA community saying like, oh, it's not fair what they're doing to Nganu, and oh, it's not fair the fighter pay, and look, Sarah Alpar has to get GoFundMe money from Jake Paul. These two are fighting in a non-title fight, and either one of them is making more money than the champion Charles Oliveira has probably made in his last five fights combined. So think about that one. So all of you guys that are so hyped for this trilogy fight between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, and you want to talk about the fairness of fighter pay, why aren't you hyping up Charles Oliveira fights so that he's getting these kind of paydays? You know, it, it's, it, it's very contradictory that you're so concerned with fighter pay, but you're okay with this being a main event and these two making seven figures a piece when neither one of them is the champion and the champion is probably going to make his biggest payday in his next fight, but it's still not going to be close to what either of these two are making. So if you understand that Conor McGregor is a big star and that's why this is a big payday for both of these guys, then you should understand the rest of it. Does that make sense, Jeff? Well, it does to me, but I don't know how much sense it'll make to anybody listening. I mean, yeah. well, uh, the people listening to this will will probably make sense of it. You know, it's just the you know the the angry people on Twitter that don't even show their faces that are like, yeah, but money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, no, Bill, and and I agree with you hundred percent. And I love that you brought up Charles Oliveira, who just won who is the champion in this division for anybody who forgot. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I don't, I, you know, these guys are going to make probably 10 times what he made for winning the belt. So <laughs> Mark says, this is the beer infused hot <laughs> plate bill. We know it. Love <laughs> that's I'm coming it, in hot today, Mark. You're well, no, you're angry. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> i know this is like last week we recorded late at night sober and you were fired up and today it's seven o'clock in the evening <laughs> i've got a buzz going and i'm fired up because we're talking about you know the business side of things which i i do hold back on a lot of that because i know not everybody's into it but talking about getting fired up for this pay-per-view jeff all you have to do is look to the co-main event in my opinion Gilbert Burns, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. This is a really tough one to pick. You know, we saw Gilbert Burns get knocked out in his last fight. We know he's possibly a little bit undersized for this welterweight division, but it hasn't made a difference up until his contention for the title with Kamaru Usman, where, you know, we saw who the better fighter was clearly that night. Uh, you know, Usman won the fight with his hands, didn't need his wrestling, didn't want to use his wrestling because of the ground games of Gilbert, uh, Gilbert Burns. Here we have probably one of the best strikers in the division, maybe in the history of the division, and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. We have Gilbert Burns, whose striking has gotten very, very good, uh, you know, in his, you know, run for the title. And obviously is world-class on the ground. But Wonder Boy is one of the hardest guys to take down. You know, we've seen, we've seen it happen very rarely. I don't have the stats or anything, but 
you know, it's hard to get that guy on the ground because he's awkward, even though he stands, you know, with one leg forward and that sideways kind of karate stance. I don't know how this one goes, Jeff. I mean, we don't really see Wonder Boy get submitted, but we see Gilbert Burns submit guys who don't get submitted. You know, uh, up until his last fight, we don't really see Gilbert Burns get knocked out, but we see Wonder Boy knock people out who don't normally get knocked out. So how does this one go? I don't know. And that's why I love this fight. I mean, I don't know how the main event goes either, but, you know, because of all the other horse shit uh, involved with it, I don't care. Um, but this fight, I happen to care. And, you know, it really mixes things up if uh, if Wonder Boy comes away with a victory, especially. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude. Gilbert Burns versus Steven Thompson, man. What? Oh, man. It's, it's so hard to call this one. I mean, like you said, um, Steven Thompson, hard, tough guy to take down, tough guy to submit. And Bill, he has that weird style, man, where, you know, he, he gets towards you, punches you once or twice, and then he's like three feet away from you, man. And that, you know, in karate, you know, it's, it's a point system, but Thompson along with Lyoto Machida have successfully brought that style into MMA. And I feel like Thompson, I don't know if it's because he's at a smaller weight, a lighter weight, I should say. Um, but it just, it works for him so much. He just makes it look so flawless. It just works really well for him. And Gilbert Burns, man, maybe he's undersized for this division, but he packs a lot of power as well. So it's really tough, man. Uh, and Burns, I feel like, has such a more complete skill set. You know, uh, his striking has improved over his last couple of fights. You know, the grappling, it's there already. So it's its such a coin toss, this one, man. But, Bill, um, I'm really excited. I, I'm more excited for this one than the main event. I think this is, I think we could call this one the people's main event, Bill, or yeah. the hardcore fans' main event. Burns versus Thompson, man. Even the hardcore fans are all about McGregor and Borea, but let's call it the, the fans of MMA on the Rocks main event. Let's call it that because I think a lot of people who listen to this show are probably on board with, or, you know, maybe a lot of people are looking forward to Conor McGregor. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think this is a really fun fight. Let's have a wager on the fight. Jeff, do you think Gilbert Burns pulls guard to get this fight to the ground? Oh man. Bill, that's a tough one, cause Stephen Thompson's all lanky. I don't think I don't think you want to pull guard on him, dude. Uh, I'm gonna say no. Do you think? But do you think he has the wrestling to get Stephen Thompson to the ground? I, I think I'm I'm gonna say yes, just because of how aggressive he is coming forward with his wrestling. It's not great. It's not pretty, but. He, he gets in your face with it. So I, I think that way he could bring him down. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I, I, I'm going to go the other way. I say he pulls guard to get it to the ground. I, okay. I think that's, that's the way it's going to go. We're, we're going to have to come up with terms for this wager, Jeff. Like the loser does a shot on the air next week or like does a shot on social media, something like, I don't know. You decide the terms or uh, People listening, you decide the terms. Leave something in the comments. So like, what? 
So I'm going to say Gilbert Burns pulls guard in this fight at some point, and and Jeff says he won't. Yeah, for sure. If you um, think of something, Jeff, like let me know. Of course, my mind just goes to taking shots, which would would be more of a reward for me. Yeah, Bill, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that's going to mess up your guts for a few days. Like oh. maybe maybe one of us has to eat like a ghost pepper or something. Oh jeez, I don't like where this is going. I'll 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 have like one of those ghost pepper beers on the air. How about that? And if you lose, you have to find a ghost pepper and eat it. Or or I'll look for like a ghost pepper hot sauce. I will do like a, like hot ones where I just put it on like a a chicken wing or something. I'm down with that. I've been in. I've been pretty into hot sauce. If there's any hot sauce companies that you guys enjoy, tag them on the show episode. And, um, you know, see if you can hook us up and maybe that we'll make that our bet from, from going forward, like whatever hot sauce it is, like we'll make bets and the loser has to take a teaspoon full or something. Oh, jeez! Oh man. No, I'm all uh, for it. Uh, the main event for our boy, Mark fellows down under is Ty Tuiavasa versus some guy that used to be in the NFL, uh, until he was kicked out or something. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm hoping for your sake, Mark, that Ty Tuivasa wins. And uh, I know you're doing Dry July, Mark, so you're gonna have to drink tea out of a shoe or something. Uh, <laughs> that's that's gonna be awkward because then, like, at least with the beer in the shoe, you can just chug it, but the tea you gotta like sip it out of your sneakers. <laughs> yeah, or maybe some diet coke or something. Doesn't sound enjoyable. <laughs> Even a diet coke, like the carbonation, you don't want to drink. It's more carbonated than a beer. You don't want to be chugging that. And then it's got that aspartame in it. That kills you. Aspartame to what? As pertains to diabetes, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Oh, Mark says he's breaking the drought for Tuivasa if he wins. All right. Good on you, man. I mean, you know, I had my cheat last month. I, I took a scotch on Father's Day. Uh, Irina Aldana taking on Yana Kunitskaya, uh, also on the main card. Anything on this one, Jeff? I think this will be a pretty fun fight. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Uh, Aldana is very well-rounded, uh, and, and she's just angry, but I love it. Um, and Yana Kunitskaya... Uh, going down a band weight, she's been there for I think one or two fights. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think Kunitskaya can definitely prove herself with a win over Aldana, who's a mm -hmm. very tough customer at band weight. So definitely excited for that one for sure. I have two sleeper fight picks, Jeff, this week, and neither of them are on the main card. But let's get through the main card because probably the most talked about fight on this entire card has been Sean O'Malley, who's going to fight Chris Motinho who was just signed to the UFC. So Sean O'Malley had a fight scheduled on this card against, do you remember who he was supposed to fight, Jeff? Mm, nope. Somebody that was a step up in competition and they pulled out and Sean O'Malley says, give me an opponent. I want to stay on this card. So you get Cody Stamen, you get Rob Devalish Philly, you get Ricky Simone, you get all these guys in the bantamweight division who say, you know, they throw their hand up in the air like, let it be me, let it be me. It looked like it was going to be Ricky Simone. Then it turned out Ricky was nowhere near weight. Um, so they end up signing this guy, Chris Motinho, who is 9-4 and four in MMA. I guess he's won his last two fights. Um, 
and you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, they're criticizing O'Malley saying like he's taking a can, uh, in this fight. Um, I don't really look at it that way. I think he's got a lot more to lose in this fight because imagine this kid just walks into the UFC and beats Sean O'Malley. You know, that makes him look like shit. That, that bumps him way down. He loses so much credibility. Like right now, his only loss is to Chito Vera. We know that guy's a stud. So like no shame there. Imagine this guy just gets a walk-on victory over O'Malley. And if O'Malley beats him, even if it's in devastating fashion, who cares? This guy's nine and four. He just walked into the UFC yesterday. Um, he, He's supposed to beat him. Uh, it, and I understand, like, if you're the UFC, you don't want to put Marab Devalishvili in there with him because he's going to murder him. Like, I think, I think Marab, if they fought 50 rounds, I think Marab wins 50 in a row. <laughs> and O'Malley is a marketable guy. You know, we're talking about, you know, like celebrities are getting paid more to fight because they have a following. O'Malley has a following. He's a bit of a celebrity who happens to be in the UFC. So I could understand why they would kind of cherry pick his opponents. But at the same time, I respect the fact that he's willing to stay in there. He wants to be on the Conor McGregor card. He wants to stay, you know, he's got a spot on the main card. He wants to stay there. And he says, give me somebody. They gave him somebody. He said, yes. You know, I think he was willing to fight Ricky Simone, but Ricky couldn't make the weight. Um, I don't lose any respect over Sean O'Malley for taking this fight. And I'm not a fan of his, like, I, I, I don't appreciate his antics or his behavior or his weird hair color. Like I, I'm too much of a dad to be into any of that shit, but I respect the fact that he's taking on a guy who's walking into the UFC. It's high risk, low reward for Sean O'Malley. And I respect that. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, um, I don't lose any respect for Sean O'Malley either because I'm not a fan of his as well. But, um, you know, credit to him. He's, he's taking a wild card here. So, you know, it could go very, you know, it'll, it, it could either be, it could either be, um, uh, you know, run of the mill win for him or he, um, you know, it's a catastrophic loss because any form of a loss, whether it's decision, submission, or knockout, I think it's catastrophic for Sean O'Malley and what he's done at this point, man. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. We saw um, just a few months ago during the pandemic. Jeff, uh, Jeff, stop tapping your fingers. Oh, I'm not tapping my fingers. You're going like this? No. What, what is that? It's probably my parents in the other room. What are they doing? Oh, they're watching TV. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Bill. Um, well, Animal Wilson Sr. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they're watching TV in the other room, or they're arguing. Uh, but yeah, Bill, the point is, um, yeah, it could go... Uh, it could be catastrophic for Sean O'Malley. I think that um, you know th this is not like you said. It's it's uh, it's a high risk, low reward. But um, you know, 
Uh, if he gets a win, awesome. But uh, it's not outside of the realm of possibility for somebody to walk on and make a name for themselves off of somebody else in the UFC. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it could be best case for Sean O'Malley. Like, he gets starched in the first round by this Montano kid, and then, um, you know, he's fighting for Triller, making $8,000. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, Carlos Condit against Max Griffin. This is going to be the real test to see, you know, is Condit really back? Because he had his win over Matt Brown. Uh, in his last fight, which has aged really well, given Matt Brown's last performance. Um, you know, is he back? Is he motivated? Is he the natural born killer again? Uh, the only way to find out is if he beats Max Griffin, because Max Griffin will get in there, throw straight punches down the pipe. He will be a technician in there. If you try to engage him in a brawl, he will probably outbox you. Uh, and, you know, we've seen good wrestling from Max Griffin, you know, th but the Carlos Condit of old, you don't want to have him on his back in there. So the big question here is, is Carlos Condit back? And if he is, you, you know, prime Carlos Condit, I think blazes through Max Griffin like nothing. Marches him down and just beats him all around the ring being reckless, maybe getting taken down and then submitting him off his back. The Carlos Condit we've seen in the last five years probably, you know, takes a beating here and gets outpointed by Max Griffin, possibly knocked out. Give me your thoughts on this one, Jeff. Bill, I think that's, I think those are the only two outcomes, man. Uh, depends on which Carlos Condit shows up. Max Griffin, I think, is a very game opponent. So uh, I think Condit needs to be careful here, man. He can't sleep on Griffin. Um, we've talked about him a few times on the show, actually. And Griffin's kind of well-rounded. I feel like his MMA game is balanced, a uh, great striker, but he has some grappling to get him out of trouble as well, man. So I think Condit cannot take this fight seriously. And, Bill, I just realized what that tapping was. It was me when I was uh, switching tabs to look at the card oh. and uh, StreamYard. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's my bad. But, um, Bill, I'll be honest with you. I'm actually a little bit more excited for the prelims than I am for the main card, man. Yeah, for sure. I am, too. And that's why I told you I have two sleeper fights on this card. Uh, the first one being Michelle Perea and Nico Price. Holy shit. Yeah. These are the two wild men of it. This is like, like Tarzan versus Crocodile Dundee or something. Like... <laughs> it's like those are just you know the two first like if you took two guys who were who were like raised in a jungle and just put them in a cage fight like this is what this fight would look like i mean michelle Perea with all that wacky shit he throws like within the first two and a half minutes of a fight you know until he gets beat by a lightweight <laughs> that's what i was thinking of when i was talking about uh shot o'malley versus uh moutinho here yeah but look you know Perea didn't lose any stock like people still want to watch him fight because he's so unpredictable um and then nico price you know he's knocking guys out from his back like when he loses fights they're more entertaining than you know like guys who are winning fights on the same card so 
I don't know how you don't love this fight. I don't know why they wouldn't put this on the pay-per-view, Jeff, or or make it like the main event of the prelims to get you to buy the pay-per-view. Because this fight is going to be wild. Like You're going to see something you've probably never seen before in a fight from either one of these guys. Um, this is my favorite fight on the whole card, bar none. Oh, Bill, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Um, I see this fight getting a performance bonus no matter what happens. Um, man, someone's going to get knocked out in a crazy way. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe a, a rampage slam or something. But uh, this, this is definitely one to not miss. And, Bill, I agree. I think that from a marketing perspective, you put this at the very end of the prelims to get some last-minute buys, man. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, let's see. The, my next sleeper fight is not going to be of interest to most people, but for me, you know, this is a grappler's dream fight. Ryan Hall against Ilya Taporia. So Taporia 10 and 0. I, I believe seven wins by submission. Ryan Hall, we know, is a jujitsu savant. Um, you know, He's got a bunch of submissions on his record, but that's not counting all the people he submitted with leg locks on the Ultimate Fighter. So as a professional, only three submissions on his record, which is wild to think about. But one of them is over BJ Penn, who's, you know, at one point in time, and he was a very credible Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, his only That's his only submission in the UFC. Whereas Taporia, I believe, has seven submissions. And I will check for you guys how many of them are in the UFC. Yeah, seven submissions. And uh, he's only had knockout wins in the UFC. So he's got knockout power. That's something he definitely has over Ryan Hall. He also has more submissions under his belt than Ryan Hall. But I would still give the jiu-jitsu advantage to Ryan Hall because he's very tricky with that 50-50 position, with the uh, with the leg locks. If you look at Taporia's submissions, they're all triangle guillotine rear naked choke. Um, so, you know, like very MMA-based submissions, like probably the three most popular submissions in MMA. Whereas Ryan Hall is very outside the box with his jiu-jitsu. He has that 50-50 sub, uh, system that people have been studying since the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, you know, they call him the wizard for a reason. It's because he's very unusual on the ground and he does some very creative things. But man, Taporia is undefeated for a reason, Jeff. And um, he's got that knockout power, you know. And Brian Hall has the equivalent of that knockout power with his jujitsu. You know, both of these guys have the ability to end the fight like that in very different ways. Um, but you got to think Tapori is good on the ground with all the submission victories he has. Uh, this is my second pick for my sleeper fight, uh, Jeff. So well, what do you think about this one? Well, I think it's an excellent choice. And part of the reason that Ryan Hall doesn't have a lot of submissions in the UFC is that nobody wants to fight him. I mean, the UFC has had a headache trying to get people to fight this guy, man. Um, you know, people get that call and they say no. So I'm really excited for his fight with Taporia. I didn't realize Ryan Hall was on the card until you just mentioned it, actually. Um, but, yeah, dude, I'm really excited. 
Ryan Hall, definitely a tough guy to deal with, especially on the ground. Man, that 50, 50 system, I think for him, is like 98-2. Um, but, yeah, dude, I, I'm really excited to see how Taporia and his uh, more traditional jiu-jitsu, I guess you could call it, uh, is going to deal with the leg attacks from Ryan Hall because um, something I didn't realize until – I started incorporating uh, leg attacks and I started seeing Ryan Hall's and other UFC fighters leg attacks is they're attacking half of your body, man. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the half that I guess traditional jujitsu not necessarily ignores, but isn't the first thing that a traditional jujitsu fighter will go for. Uh, example, Demi and Maya, uh, Jakari comes to mind. But, uh, dude, I, it's going to be really exciting. This is going to be a human chess match if it's on the ground, uh, which I hope it is, man. Uh, maybe not yeah. not a lot of... Um, maybe not a lot of casual fans will be on board with this. I don't know if there's going to be a crowd. Um, but, yeah, Bill, I'm not going to miss the booing if there's no crowd. Uh, yeah. I, this is in Vegas and I believe Vegas is, uh, this is at the T-Mobile arena. It's not at the apex. So I believe there will be a crowd. Uh, I don't know how many people will be there, you know, for the prelims, but, um, yeah, jujitsu is interesting because it goes through cycles in the jujitsu world much quicker than it does in MMA. So MMA is much slower to catch up on the trends. So three or four years ago, leg locks were super hot in jujitsu, you know, especially from the guys coming from the blue basement, uh, John Danaher's, uh, death squad, Gordon Ryan, Gary tone and those guys. And then eventually, uh, Craig Jones going and training with those guys. Uh, they were leg locking everybody. Then it was like wrestling and top pressure. Then it was back control. That was really hot for a little while. Then it was leg locks again. And then it was arm locks and it kind of cycled and cycled and cycled. MMA never really caught on with the leg locks, you know, because most of the time, if you're going for someone's legs, you have to use both hands and your face is exposed to get punched in the face. That's why leg locks don't work as well in MMA. So Ryan Hall is a guy who happened to find a loophole because he found entries that work so quickly. Uh, that, you know, people don't have time to punch him in the face. And that's worked for him. Um, but, you know, his inactivity has, you know, kind of taken the luster away from that. But I'm excited for that fight. Um, we got Driscus Duplacis against Trevin Giles. We got Jennifer Maya against Jessica I. And then another one that catches my eye, Omari Akhmedov, who's a guy that not a lot of people talk about. His only loss really was that loss to Chris Weidman where Weidman was able to out wrestle him, you know, went back to his wrestling roots and held off made off down for three rounds, which, you know, was a really impressive accomplishment. Uh, and I believe that's his only loss in the UFC. He went to a draw with Marvin Vittori, uh, you know, who just fought for the title. Uh, he's got wins over Ian Heinish, Zach Cummings, Tim Bosch, Tom Breeze in his last fight. Uh, he's got a win over Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. And he's got a win over Kyle Noak. Um, his last loss besides the Wyman loss was back in 2016. So I feel like this is a very underrated guy. And Brad Tavares, you know, veteran, uh, very well-rounded. 
you know, there was a point in time where this fight could have been on a main card, but here we get to have it for free on the prelims and I'm here for it, Jeff. Uh, so I'm excited for that one. And you know, the, then there's the rest of the card. Yeah, but I'm excited for uh, Tavares versus Akhmedov as well. That fight looks really interesting to me. Bill, uh, like I said, man, the prelims are looking better than the main card, dude. Um, and I think it's just because of where Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor is. I think I'd be more inclined to watch it if it was Burns versus Thompson as the headliner here. But uh, I know most casuals wouldn't. So, um, yeah, dude. Oh, Bill, you succeeded. You have changed my mind. Um, still not excited about Poirier versus McGregor. Don't really care for it, but I am excited for the rest of the card now. Yeah, it kind of did put a damper on the rest of it, but this always does it for me too, Jeff. Like when, when we get to come on here every week and, and kind of break down the cards, it gets me more excited for it, which by the way, Jeff, we're sneaking up on five years of doing this thing. And like, I, I always kind of thought about like, Oh, five years. What are we going to do to celebrate MMA on the rocks? I, but you know, I started drinking again and I forgot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think like sometime next week will be the five year anniversary of MMA on the rocks. So uh, it's, it's been a fun ride and it's been, you know, it, it has definitely kept my interest in the sport, you know, to the level that it is because, you know, I could, I would still be watching every card probably, but I wouldn't be paying as close attention. Um, I probably wouldn't be drinking as much either, but you know, there's give and take. You want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Any thoughts on uh, five years of MMA on the rocks, Jeff? Well, no, I'm but, still enjoying it as much as day one, man. Uh, you know, it's always fun breaking down the fights. I don't think you're enjoying it as much as day one, because on day one, you were obliterated, and so was I. <laughs> we we did not know how to pace ourselves. We were drinking bourbon and wild hippo beer and whatever else we had. Um, river horse. River horse. Right, which is a hippopotamus, right? Yeah, it's 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 a uh, hippopotamus in Greek means uh, river horse. Yeah, which that's I mentioned it. on that first episode. That's that's a good fact, and that's a good beer. And we were drinking the Hudson Valley bourbon as well, if I remember correct. I don't think you can find episode one on the internet, Jeff. I don't know what happened to it. I maybe it was never even posted. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it it was bad at the end. All right, so maybe maybe I'm enjoying it a little bit more than day one but bill you know it's always a good time getting on here sharing some laughs complaining about things that most people wouldn't listen to me complain about but um yeah dude um and as long as the ufc keeps putting on these great cards we're gonna have plenty of content yeah and here we are we're i i was thinking we weren't gonna have much to talk about because there wasn't any mma this weekend we were just gonna preview next week's card and this episode is longer than our average episode you know usually we're at you know 55 minutes like just under an hour maybe we go an hour and 10 minutes but this one we're like in an hour and 20 minutes um is there anything else you want to get off your chest jeff um yeah bill so i'm reading a book for work it's about conflict resolution and bill you know i 
I'm trying to approach it with an open mind uh, because the way that they set it up is in the way of a story. Um, so it starts off with this dad and he's dropping off his kid to, to a rehab center. Um, but the guys who are running this re rehab center also bring in the families for two days. So mm -hmm. while they're helping the kid out, with you know his stuff they're gonna put him out in the wilderness um the families are working on stuff too and the whole point of the book is basically um you know you're not solving the problem just by changing somebody's behavior you got to get to the root of the problem uh so you know it, it, um, i wasn't super excited to read it because i don't i didn't want to work over the summer but uh i mean so far it's okay well, that's always a pleasant surprise when you get into a book and you don't think you're going to be into it and then it kind of pulls you in. Unfortunately, I haven't had that experience in quite some time because by the time I get to bed, I'm too tired to read anything. Um, but I hope to get back into reading a little bit more soon. Bill, Bill, come on. I, I got to teach everything. Bill, you're a dad. The only time you get to read is when you're sitting on the throne. Yeah, and, and even then, it's not undisturbed, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Those days don't... There, there are three bathrooms in my house, and none of them are good hiding places. <laughs> um, <laughs> in any case, I guess we'll call it there. I want to give another shout-out to my teammate, Jake Spray, who won his Muay Thai debut today. Congratulations, brother. Well-deserved, well-earned. I've seen you put on all the work, and I'm proud of you, brother. Uh, Jake also happens to be a sponsored athlete by our friends at Team Reaper. So if you want to get yourself a Jake Spray t-shirt or an MMA on the Rocks t-shirt, tank top, or hoodie, go visit reaper1.co. You can use the promo code MMARocks10. Save yourself 10%. I will put the link in the show notes as always, or you can go and choose any fighter that you want to support. Uh, they have local circuit fighters all the way up to the UFC and Bellator. So get on there and support some fighters, you know, let them pay for their training camp so they don't have to set up a GoFundMe. Uh, our friends at team Reaper are, are very good to the fighters. They, they like to give back and support the fighters. And uh, you can get yourself some training gear there as well. You know, sparring gloves, jujitsu gis, gear bags, all of that good stuff. Use the code MMAROCKS10. That's M-M-A-R-O-C-K-S-1-0. Save yourself 10% on your order. You don't have to get an MMA on the Rocks uh, shirt or tank top or hoodie, but you know, we, would, we always love to see the, the photos of you guys supporting the show. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Thank you for your comments, for your feedback, for your criticism, for sharing the episode, and for your reviews. The reviews do help us a lot. So thank you for everybody who has left us a review. That's all we got. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.